Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. If you're with us today and you are without a Bible, just uh, wave to one of these guys coming up the aisles or get a Bible in your hand. And um, Without a Bible, you'll probably not get nearly as much out of uh, this morning uh, as, as you'll want to. And so uh, get that. They'll have it marked to the passage for you this morning as well. Uh, Sunday nights again, as was announced, um, we'll, Sunday nights we go through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, we'll enjoy the Lord's Supper tonight, and uh, that way we can have communion, and all of you can enjoy the Super Bowl next week. And, um, <laughs> single verse to start, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we need never, and we certainly never want to, um, turn to your word as um, just words on a page, independent of you and the work of your Holy Spirit. And so we pray for the work of your Spirit in our lives today as we would enjoy your Word, allow it to do its work within our lives, that it would not come to us in Word only, but that we would engage your truth this morning in the context of our personal relationship with you, that we would talk with you and muse with you in the course and the privacy of our heart in the course of this sermon and in the course of your instruction. And we pray, Lord, for this work of your Spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So this morning, by the way of reminder, we continue our topical series through the book of Proverbs, a series that's entitled Timeless Wisdom. And the wisdom that God provides for us uh, by His Holy Spirit through King Solomon, uh, wisdom for how to live a life that blesses God, blesses our fellow man, and is also a blessing to us, and that's the desire uh, of our hearts as Christians. Um, The last two uh, subjects that we addressed in this series was pride and humility. And uh, we might have had some ouch moments related to that and looking at it through, um, through uh, Solomon's instruction. And uh, there might have been a couple of times where we uh, might have thought related to Solomon, uh, sir, you have gone from preaching to meddling. And uh, yet he was uh, not at all in his full uh, exhortive uh, force Even under those subjects, he really reserves that for the subject that we begin to look at today, and that is the subject that's the most, probably the most heavily represented in the book of Proverbs, and that is the wise use of our speech or of our uh, tongue. Because the subject of the tongue or our speech in the book of Proverbs is so heavily represented, it would be really impossible to do it any kind of justice in a single week So we'll look to cover this over three weeks. Today we'll look at uh, the power of our speech and the power of the tongue. Next week we'll look at speech that uh, harms and speech that heals as Solomon lays it out to us. And then on the third week we'll kind of address 
uh, all of the things that didn't come under uh, those two particular categories. The importance of the necessity of really receiving this timeless wisdom in terms of our speech, uh, in, in terms of our, our lives and this area of our lives, is underscored, I think, by just the sheer number of words uh, that the average person, we're told, in the United States of America speaks on a given day. Uh, the oldest or the most recent kind of study related to this is now over 10 years old, and so uh, who knows what can be trusted related to all of this. But the estimates are that uh, the average person in the United States will uh, speak uh, somewhere between 7,000 to as many as 16,000 words uh, a day. And uh, these numbers, whether they're high or they're uh, low, and the range of those numbers uh, indicate that on average we will spend one to two hours of our 24-hour uh, uh, day uh, talking, and uh, which would pencil out in the average person's uh, life to somewhere between 80 and 180 million words over a lifetime. And so the point being, however close the statistics are, uh, we all recognize the truth of it. Uh, we sp say a lot of words over our lifetimes, and uh, sometimes it just takes a moment like this to just stop and realize what a dominant part of our life and an influential part of our life uh, speaking uh, is. This is all, of course, says nothing about the communication that occurs today in our modern world in a way that communication did not occur in the ancient world. Uh, written materials were very scarce in the ancient world. Almost all communication occurred orally or verbally. Uh, today now we have communication through reading, through uh, writing, communication that takes the form of emails and texts and blogs and uh, posts, all kinds of uh, different forms of communication that occur today, whether it's electronic or whether it's hard copy and uh, uh, kinds of communication that were just unimagined at the time of, uh, of Solomon. And it's important that when we go through these next three weeks talking about communication, that it is speaking uh, not only to the communication that occurs through our mouths, but the same standard applies to the communication that now occurs through our fingertips and all of these new kind of modern methods. All communication is to fall under the same instruction and standard. Now before we begin formally, uh, formally here, I do want to take a moment to uh, acknowledge the candid observation uh, of uh, James in his epistle. Uh, James chapter 3 in the New Testament probably being the most concentrated uh, uh, section, in, uh, single section in, in the New Testament that speaks to uh, our speech. And, uh, uh, and he declares there in uh, James chapter 3 verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, now that is in our speech, he's a perfect man, 
also able to bridle the whole body. And the word perfect there means finished or means perfect. It means complete or lacking nothing in this regard. And since not very many of us, and certainly not me, can say concerning every word that comes out of our mouths that they are one and all without exception, uh, the verbal embodiment of perfection, uh, then we need to be prepared for uh, Solomon's instruction to really uh, instruct us deeply, search us, convict us, and, and also affirm uh, uh, our lives in this area of our lives. But to remember that these Proverbs of Solomon are not written by God to us in order to produce uh, gotcha moments within, uh, within our, our lives. But the idea is to hold the mirror of God's Word up against an area of our lives to show us what it really looks like from the vantage point of, of heaven and uh, so we can be uh, exposed or convicted or built up related to what we see there. Uh, and if we find ourselves deeply convicted or exposed, to then turn to God and ask Him to help us bring this uh, area of our lives into conformity to His, His Word and that it would have a place of, of blessing in our lives toward others that that He wants it to have. And especially, I think, in our lives as Christians, as we uh, claim before the whole world to follow Him and to represent Him and people coming to conclusions about Christianity, about Jesus Himself, based upon what they see from our lives, but also what they hear coming from uh, our mouths. And Solomon is merely following his own instruction here uh, when he kind of cuts deeply into our lives in the course of these next three weeks uh, and will address this proverb in due time. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. In this passage here of chapter 18 verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And this verse really is uh, the poster child uh, in the book of Proverbs for uh, the power of human speech and the power uh, of the tongue. And it really is intended to communicate to us the staggering potential of our speech for both uh, good and also for evil. Its power for death or its power for evil is revealed in everything from the judge who sentences a criminal to death uh, by virtue of him or her committing a capital crime. Uh, it refers to the words of the bully, whether the words are delivered face to face or whether they're delivered as they are so often today electronically and uh, whose words then push another person or another youth to commit suicide. Uh, it refers uh, this power of death and evil is revealed in uh, the husband or the wife who refuses uh, to control uh, our speech directed toward our uh, spouse, and it brings death to the marriage. Uh, even if the marriage continues under the same roof or, or it continues uh, on paper. 
It refers to the parent who kills uh, the godly hopes and the dreams and the aspirations uh, of our children with cruel words. It refers to the spreading of gossip and slander and lies which results in the death of a person's reputation uh, before the entire world uh, or uh, the sometimes uh, in the, the minds of many and the death of a career or worse. Uh, we think of uh, Jesus and what happened to him at the hands of the Jewish religious leaders at the day of his crucifixion. And Pilate answered them and said, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that they should not release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said to them again, What do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, Crucify him. And then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? And they cried out all the more, Crucify him. It refers to the person who uses uh, the use of words to con other people out of their life savings and to leave them destitute in life, and so often destitute in old age. It's capacity to spew hate or lewdness that results in the death of innocence, the death of virtue in the life of another human being. It refers to the political leader or the propagandist who can lead an entire nation or lead the entire world uh, into war. This is the power of words uh, for evil. Or to the propagandist who, having been granted the gift of life themselves, now endeavors to deny that same right to the unborn. And then worst of all, it's the leaders, it refers to the leaders of false religions that fill the world, and most especially to uh, false teachers that claim to represent Jesus Christ and His truth and His message and represent the God of the Bible but teach another way of salvation other than Jesus and as all of the Christian cults do. And the consequences of the, this kind of thing and the misuse of speech and the death that results, the consequences are eternal in this uh, case. And, uh, and it refers to any false teacher who stumbles or undermines the faith of a Christian, uh, their faith in God, and then draws them into error. The seriousness of that, Jesus declared that whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Elsewhere in Matthew, Jesus said, but I say to you, and he spoke these to the Jewish religious leaders, he said, I say to you that every idle word that men speak may speak, they shall give an account of it on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be uh, condemned. But the influence and the power of speech for good uh, is equally powerful. It can be powerfully used to speak 
hope and perspective into a person's life, to literally talk them off of the wrong side of the railing of a bridge or the edge of a building that they're about to throw themselves off of because of the pain that they're experiencing in their life or the problems of their life. It can be powerfully used to speak love and edification into the lives of our spouses, into the lives of others that we love in in our life. It can be powerfully used to speak words of hope into a marriage that has been very, very damaged. It can be powerfully used to nurture and encourage the godly aspirations of our children, to fill them with faith and confidence in God's plan for their lives and that He will accomplish those plans. It can be powerfully used to speak truth against slander and against gossip and lies which are routinely spoken about virtually everyone today. It can be used to speak peace and godliness into volatile situations, whether those situations are individual or whether those situations are national or international uh, in their scope. And it can be used to share the message of God's love to others and His offer of uh, forgiveness and of salvation. And it can be powerfully used to intercede for others related to prayer. And on and on and on the list goes, as both lists do, for both the capacity of good and the capacity for evil that is contained uh, related to the tongue and the potential of both and each and every one of us individually as, as human beings. And the evidence for the capacity of speech being used for life or for death is ever before us on a daily uh, basis. And we see it all around us and the examples that I've given and what it ought to do in our lives as God's children is to convince us of how important it is uh, that our, this capacity for speech, this tremendous capacity for good, uh, only be exercised uh, in, uh, wisely. And that's Solomon's uh, desire here. When Solomon declares that those who love it will eat its fruit, that is, uh, we will always eat the fruit of our words. We will bear the consequences uh, of our words. And when we stop and we realize that we will bear the consequences of our words, it causes us to stop and really, really, really think before we uh, say something. What will be the effect of what I'm about to say upon this person? Uh, Am I willing to bear the consequences of my words that I'm about to speak? And the incredible power of our speech should cause us to always slow down and think before we speak, which is always a good thing. It doesn't mean that we will never say the hard thing that needs to be said 
Because as we'll see in this series, the hard thing needs to be said, and Solomon calls on us to do that when that is uh, required. But even when we do that, and, uh, and what we have to say needs to be said, but it will wound that we've done it after a season of prayer, and, and to make sure that every word that proceeds from our mouth is useful and beneficial. Jesus, of course, is the example uh, for the wise use of speech. Uh, even his enemies confessed, no man ever spoke like this man. Uh, the broader testimony of his speech. So all bore witness, were told to him, and marveled at the gracious words that proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Uh, in the Old Testament, the psalmist declared of the coming Messiah, uh, of Jesus, Psalm 45, verse 2, you are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. And one of the great things to do in reading the Gospels and in examining the life of Jesus for our own lives is to not only uh, to look at what he did, how he handled himself in different situations, but to examine his speaking uh, and not only examine uh, his teaching as it applies to our lives, but uh, examine his speech as an example uh, for us in the various situations that we uh, find ourselves uh, in. And you read the Gospels and it's a marvel uh, it's a testimony to his deity. Never one word too many. Never one word uh, uh, short of what it needed to be. Always just the perfection for that particular uh, situation. And, uh, and always using his speech to impart life rather than death and good rather than evil. The second proverb, as we uh, move a little bit from considering just the astonishing capacity and power of our speech for good and for evil, uh, to move forward then to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4. And if you uh, just look a little bit down in that same chapter, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. And here we have a reminder of what uh, Jesus declared uh, with the clarity of non-poetic language that Solomon is using here and rebuking the Pharisees. And he said to them, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man uh, out of the evil treasure brings forth evil uh, things. That is, that our words don't merely communicate our thoughts. Our words always also communicate the condition of our hearts, what's hidden in our hearts. If it's in our hearts, it will be on our lips sooner or later. Uh, that will always occur in life. 
but our words don't merely reflect the, our intellectual processes. They reveal to others, but most importantly, they reveal to us the condition of our heart. In the same way that a thermometer reveals to us the temperature of our physical bodies, our speech reveals the spiritual condition of our hearts, which is invaluable. So if I have an angry heart, then my words are going to be angry. Uh, If I have a frustrated heart, then my words are going to express frustration. If my heart is filled with worry, if my heart is filled with hopelessness, uh, then my speech is going to communicate fear and hopelessness uh, to those around me. If my, f- if my heart is filled with joy and with peace, then my speech is going to be marked by peace and joy as well. And to realize that what comes out of my mouth is an indicator to me See, I wish, I, I wish there were more ways that I could know the condition of my heart, <clears throat> the condition of my spiritual character at the moment. And we uh, have it, perhaps uh, more than we want to have it, uh, in the form of examining the words that come out of our mouth and how those words are spoken. And so a major key to healthy speech uh, is a healthy heart condition. Sometimes a person will say, I I really don't like what's coming out of my mouth routinely, and I want to change what it is that's coming out of my mouth. And uh, it will never occur in any lasting way uh, apart from a heart change. And only God can produce that heart change, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. This proverb here in uh, 18.4, it also communicates that our words flow from a very deep place in our lives. And he likens that depth to a a deep stream or a bubbling uh, brook. And so as they uh, flow forth from a healthy heart or a healthy person, then they're going to bring great refreshment and edification uh, to the listener. And, the, and Solomon is telling us that the highest and the most profitable speech in life comes out of a deep place in a healthy heart, as opposed to just saying uh, uh, things off of the top of my uh, head or in the emotion of the moment. And to be a source of this kind of healthy speech, it requires, Solomon says, a depth of of godly character uh, and a godly heart. And the depth of our character and the depth with which we engage and process life is very much revealed in our speech. There's nothing wrong with talking about uh, sports. There's nothing wrong about talking about politics. There's nothing wrong with talking about the weather. Nothing wrong with talking about whatever is the latest fad uh, in our, our uh, pop uh, culture. I mean, you can't be in fifth gear all of the time. But if I, all I ever talk about, if all I ever have the capacity to talk about with another person is sports or video games, or the weather, 
or the latest fad in pop uh, culture because that is the only depth to which I have taken my heart and my mind in life and that I have no deep stream uh, of godly character in my life, this kind of depth of relationship uh, with God in my heart to where I could offer godly wisdom uh, from within me to another person in need, then that is a problem. And it's a problem that Solomon points out in order to produce change in our lives. If we're living our lives as Christians with that kind of shallowness uh, in our heart and in the way that we engage the world and process the world, and if that is uh, the shallowness with which we continually and habitually uh, use speech. This proverb is also an encouragement to those of you who God has developed a, a beautiful character and depth of character uh, in, uh, in your heart and, and given you and made you as a result of His Word, the things that He has done in your life, taken you through. And He's made your heart a, a brook. He's made it a stream of wisdom. And Solomon is in speaking to those of you who are in that place to keep speaking in this world. It's very easy for a person to have that capacity, such a great capacity for uh, healing and helping people to go silent in the course of our life. To convince ourselves nobody wants to listen to this uh, kind of Uh, of thing, or uh, to think to ourselves, who needs the aggravation of speaking God's uh, wisdom? I mean, we live in a culture now, if you put your head up up, out of that foxhole, it's going to be handed to you, uh, verbally guillotined and handed back to you, so we can begin to play it safe. And so all of these incredible things that God has built into our lives, godly wisdom. And then we hear someone talking about a problem in their life, and we know what God has to say about that. We know uh, what can be helpful to that person, and we can begin to think to ourselves, I'm not going to take the risk. I don't need the aggravation. I'm not going to uh, risk Uh, the rejection, the rebuke, or whatever might happen here, and we go silent. And Solomon tells you to keep on speaking, that what you have to say must continually be spoken, and most especially in a culture in which it is disappearing. And so uh, the importance of speaking these things, there are still people out there And I am among them, uh, craving that kind of instruction and that kind of interaction from people with those kind of hearts. If you turn a little bit to the left to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4, in this context of the power of our words. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 4. A wholesome, that is a a healthier healing tongue, 
A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. In other words, it brings health and healing to people. But perverseness, that is crookedness and, and twistedness, uh, in, uh, in, it, uh, in the tongue, it breaks the spirit. And again, here you have the emphasis of the power of our speech, especially in its capacity to bring healing and be helpful in people's lives or the capacity that it has to crush people and to uh, break people. One thing Solomon is really has no self-consciousness about, um, I have it, I think a lot of uh, people have it, even preachers, but Solomon is not uh, encumbered in any way in his writing of the book of Proverbs not encumbered in any kind of self-consciousness related to repetition. He repeats himself all of the time. And he repeats himself in kind of a slightly different way in terms of addressing a subject. Because sometimes he knows that we need to hear something a second, a third, a fourth time before it finally clicks for us. And, and then we realize uh, how powerful uh, our, our speech is and the importance of using it wisely. As a Christian, uh, all that is, I think is, that is really required for us to readily uh, embrace this instruction uh, is to be reminded of the life and the ministry uh, of Jesus, Isaiah's prophetic uh, uh, declaration concerning Messiah, concerning uh, Jesus, ascribed to Jesus in the book of Matthew, where Jesus is described as a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. And the capacity of our words to quench and to break um, people who are in very vulnerable condition uh, in, in our lives, whether we see that vulnerability of their heart and their mind, whether they wear it on their sleeve, or whether only they are aware of it uh, in their lives. Jesus was always tender in his treatment of those who were hurt or vulnerable or broken and everyone in this world is in that uh, condition in this fallen world in some way or another. And I think about each of us when we have come, those of us who know the Lord and have walked with Him, each time we have come to Him as a, a bruised reed and as a smoking flax, what did we discover Him uh, to be? Always so helpful uh, in his speech to us and in his words to us. It's not just words on a page or what Jesus did with people 2,000 years ago. It's what he does with people and his co the use of his speech through the Holy Spirit into the privacy of our own, our own hearts. And because we're debtors uh, to the Lord in this regard, and uh, then uh, to pass that same uh, thing that Jesus does in our lives to uh, others and to ask ourselves as we leave them, did I leave them better or worse as a result of my uh, words? 
There's a, the book of Job, I mean, 40-some chapters and, uh, and uh, put in the Bible for uh, several very important lessons. But it is uh, almost 40 chapters of how not to use this capacity of speech uh, in someone who is a smoking flax and, and a bruised reed as these friends just piled on and piled on and piled on, and then God uh, allows us to hear uh, the pain uh, that their smiting brought to the heart uh, of Job and the greatness uh, of his trial. They left him far worse off than if they had never said uh, anything. Let's go back to chapter 18. Uh, again to the right a little bit, 18, uh, verse 20. Almost where we started. Chapter 18, verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the abundance of his lips he shall be filled. So hold your place there. Let me just read another one that's kind of a parallel of the same thing. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 14. A man will be satisfied with the good fruit of his mouth, that is his words, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. These Proverbs communicate that good words spoken from a good heart, uh, and and poetically, uh, as Solomon speaks of the fruit of our mouths, he's talking about our words, that when we use our speech in this way, they have a way of being recognized by people in life. And they have a way, when we use our capacity for speech in this way, uh, they, it has a way of being rewarded um, in this, uh, in this uh, life. Uh, from the vantage point uh, of the subject of the power of our words and our speech, these Proverbs communicate that where a person ends up in life, Uh, uh, whether for good or for bad, is determined in a very large part based upon how they use their capacity for speech. Whether they use their speech for good or whether they use their speech uh, for uh, evil. And... uh, Where we end up in life, whether it's professionally, whether it's relationally, anywhere in life is determined to a large degree based upon our words, to the degree that we use our speech for good or for bad uh, in our lives. And as a result, it commends that we, Solomon does, that we use our speech for uh, good. James declares the same thing. James chapter 3, verse 4. He said, look at the ships. You got a ship in your mind? All right, very good. Although they are so large, man, these big old ships, we're not talking about a little ship. They're so large, and they're driven by fierce winds. So we got a ship that's uh, sail, sails being used. And they are turned, controlled, by a very small rudder. Uh, wherever the pilot desires. You think about a ship, the rudder is a very, very small part uh, of a uh, ship, but it determines the ship's 
uh, direction. It determines the ship's destination. And the use of our tongue in life determines our direction in life and our destination in life. Again, relationally, professionally, in virtually every area uh, in life, certainly related to the influence that God gives us in the kingdom of God. So often you have a person who, who looks and comes to a place in their life and all their life is just one uh, relationship after another abandoned again and again and again and again, and they can end up friendless, not only for this reason in life, and never take the time to wonder if it isn't the use of my tongue and my speech that makes me impossible to be around for any length of time or for anyone to commit themselves to me, to even friendship, or to relationship, much less marriage, or an even greater uh, commitment. And Solomon here, when he talks about speech, he's not talking about the person who has a great education, or they have great eloquence, or they have a great vocabulary in terms of the power of their speech. He's talking about the person who, whatever their education, or their uh, eloquence, or uh, their vocabulary, or their lack of those things, they use their capacity for speech wisely. And we watch it play out all around us in life that such people, people who use their speech for the good of others, they advance far beyond their peers who do not. And Solomon is telling us that in a very real sense, without being too clever by half, uh, everyone uh, eats their words. Everyone prospers in large part to the degree that we use our speech for good or for bad in people's lives. So in the New Testament, Paul said, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, words included, that shall he also uh, reap. Truth is, speech is not neutral. Uh, Speech is not sterile. When Solomon uses Uh, agricultural imagery to speak about uh, speech here, it's not an accident at all. In speaking, we sow seed into another person's life as surely as a farmer sows seed in a field. And the words that we speak into another person's life, something then happens in their life by virtue of those words. Something comes to exist in their life by virtue of those words that has never existed before in exactly the same uh, way. Something has now been introduced by me into their lives for good or for bad, and there are going to be consequences to that. And people will respond to it, whether we realize it or not. They'll respond to it with Avoidance, or with anger, or with disgust, or frustration, oftentimes all of it kept internal, uh, 
internally, or they'll respond to it with friendship or respect or great joy. But our words always have an effect and birth something in every human being that we speak those words into. And in Proverbs chapter 13, a little bit to the left, I've only got 40 more and we'll uh, clear out here. But Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3 is important in this regard. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. And here we see a truth that has been played out in man's history uh, from the fall on in, in this world. And that is that a failure to control our speech can get us into a lot of trouble, can even result in uh, death. And Solomon warns us. He doesn't warn the extraordinarily evil person He's talking to godly people here in the book of Proverbs. And he warns us that in a sudden moment in time in any of our lives, the proper use of speech in that moment can be life or death important. And the proverb certainly warns against going through life as what we would call a big mouth. Or as we would say, someone who's always shooting off their mouth. That person, Solomon says, greatly increases their risk of their mouth bringing them to destruction. Proverbs chapter 8, 18, verse 6, uh, speaks directly uh, to this. And uh, Solomon writes, A fool's lips uh, enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. And here you have... Uh, referring to the loudmouthed fool who's always picking a fight with someone, always starting uh, trouble. Solomon says uh, sooner or later his or her uh, speech is uh, in, in, in what it is calling out to people continually is, hit me, hit me, uh, hit me. And sooner or later, someone's going to hit you. And uh, uh, his mouth calls for blows. And you stop and think about how many uh, murders, how many uh, violent acts uh, have been uh, uh, done uh, in uh, beginning with words. Well, let's close our examination of of the power of our words on a, a positive note here. And so finally, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15. It's going to have to turn 12 chapters. Man. This late in the sermon? Whew. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. This is one of my favorites. By long forbearance, or perseverance, a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. And here we're told that patience uh, with another person and gentleness of speech are much more effective in changing a person's mind uh, than impatience and anger. And I think that so often uh, we can view any discussion with another person as a failure if they don't come to our view of whatever the subject is uh, immediately. Uh, whether it is a discussion between a husband and a wife within a marriage, 
or in our professional lives or in sharing the gospel with someone. And Solomon encourages us to just simply communicate the truth and then wait patiently as the truth is communicated gently. Just wait patiently then for that truth to have its impact. And it takes time for truth to work in people's hearts and in people's minds. It certainly does in me. And so while we're waiting, Solomon uh, also encourages us that truth, when it's spoken gently, it's impossible to ignore. It is impossible to ignore as a broken bone. And I've had a number of those. And they are possible to ignore <laughs> until they're dealt with. And so something that's spoken gently, and I think we've all had it happen in our lives, we're going off saying who knows what. And somebody from a deep stream in their life speaks something, a different way for us to see something. And if they yelled at us, like maybe we're yelling or arguing, we could just dismiss them easily. But they speak it gently. And because they do, it goes in deeper than it could any other way it, it, it could happen in our lives. And it works on us until it does its needed work in our lives. And Solomon speaks here that this is true no matter what relationship in our life or how unequal the relationship is in terms of authority. It even works on the part of a servant advising a king. Well, all of the authority, it's a talk about an unequal relationship in terms of authority and position, and yet even when a servant speaks patiently and gently, it will impact uh, the heart of even a ruler. And of course, nowhere is this more important than in our sharing uh, of the gospel. To share it patiently, to share it um, gently, with the recognition that when we share the gospel with someone, we're talking to a ruler. They are a sovereign over their own heart. They're sovereign over what they will do with God's offer of salvation. If we want to yell at them and scream at them and call them whatever, they'll simply dismiss us. But when truth is given with patience, and with gentleness, it's a lot harder to uh, dismiss. And so uh, it is, uh, they, they say that related to uh, the average person becoming a Christian in the United States of America, and th they said this many years ago, so whether it's obsolete or not, I don't know, but it makes the point. Is that Back then, the average person who became a Christian did so after hearing the gospel seven times. So it takes patience, it takes patience in people's lives for the truth to work by the Holy Spirit in their lives and for them to turn. And perhaps for some of us here this morning, you've come uh, just to hear uh, this proverb alone from God's Word. And perhaps not so much related to sharing the gospel, but perhaps related to some other situation or relationship in your life. And impatience and anger has been 
the weapons that you have been using to try to get through to this person. And Solomon says there's a better way uh, to speak patiently, speak truth patiently and, and gently into their lives. So here by the Holy Spirit, Solomon provides us, I think, with real food for thought about the power of our words. That through our words, each and every one of us has the capacity to destroy other people's lives uh, or to enrich their lives and our own lives as well. Again, I'm going to quote James chapter 3, verse 6. And the tongue is a fire. Oh, it is. A world of iniquity. Mm -hmm. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. It becomes the dominant feature of a person's life. And it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on hell, on fire uh, uh, by hell for every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil and it's full of deadly poison. And because our speech is so powerful in its capacity as a weapon or in its capacity as a medicine, we need to do what we do with all weapons and with all medicines. And that is our speech has to be tamed and controlled and safeguarded and well-directed for the health and safety of those uh, around us. And how does that happen? It happens, as we have seen, by maintaining a healthy, godly heart, by spending time each day in prayer to God, conversation with Him, relationship with Him, and His influence in our lives, spending time in reading His uh, Word in our lives, worshiping Him, thanking Him, praising Him in that daily time with the Lord. It involves asking God to involve Himself mightily in this capacity that we have for speech, this privilege and responsibility that each of us has related to the privilege of, of speech. And to ask Him, as is needed in our lives, to change the way we speak uh, to people and that He would put a guard over our mouths in the same way that people lock up their medicines or the way that they lock up their guns because they could be misused or damage other people. I think about even a man as godly as King David. He sought God's involvement in this regard in his life. Psalm 141, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And then as a Christian, just simply obeying what God's Word says, including what Solomon says here elsewhere in the Bible, obeying what God's Word says about the use of our tongue, and then we will discover the power to do that. God listens to our prayers, and He will sanctify our speech like He will any area of our life and conform it into the image uh, of His uh, Son. It may not happen overnight. It won't be completely accomplished, 
this side of, of heaven, but we want to be growing in this uh, way. And most often it can happen as quickly as we desire that it would. If you're here this morning and you're not yet uh, a Christian, for your speech to be what it needs to be, to deal with it and to handle it with, with the, um, the sense of privilege, uh, the responsibility that comes with the privilege requires a new heart, ideally. And that comes by being born again, putting my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, being born again, spiritual birth, now a capacity for a relationship with God, which begins, and then God begins to change my heart and make it like Christ. And then pretty soon, all kinds of things begin to change in our lives, including our speech. But the greatest thing we can do in life for our speech to become redemptive and healthy in life is to be born again and have God's Holy Spirit come into our lives. And if you have never trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, there are going to be pastors and other men and women up in front immediately after the service. They'd love to pray with you to begin that relationship with God. If you sit here today and you are not a Christian, you need to say, I don't have any problem with my mouth. I say five words a day. But if you're not saved, you still need to be saved for the forgiveness of your sins. And... Uh, reg uh, regardless of, of uh, how uh, wonderful and uh, biblical your capacity for speech is, uh, even uh, in, in the natural. So here's Solomon's instruction here. It's not intended to uh, cause us to stop speaking, uh, to put such a fear within, within our, our hearts and our, our, our minds that we, we are going to, now I'm not going to say anything, but rather just to recognize the power of our speech and to get us to commit uh, the shifting of the incredible capacity and power of speech from what does harm uh, in the other direction and uh, and. Uh, for it to be used medicinally in people's lives and redemptively through us in the lives of others. Let's stand together now and we'll close in prayer. So maybe the Lord spoke to some of us today. He, he missed me completely. And uh, so maybe he'll catch me on one of the next two uh, sermons related to this theme and I am only kidding Father we pray that um, for the remainder of this day not in any kind of condemning way but as a work of your Holy Spirit um, we see how you spoke through Solomon and um, how strongly you communicate um, the power power of our words and of our speech and we pray that you would help us to understand the responsibility that comes with that privilege in a deeper way than we ever have and we pray Lord for the continued work of your Holy Spirit 
of sanctifying our lives, making them more like Jesus. And most specifically today, we pray that you would do that work related to our speech and never cease to continue to do that work is our prayer. Thank you for how far you've brought us in this regard in our lives. We look forward to you continuing to take us further still. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.